Welcome to The Grow Show, powered by Steel. On The Grow Show, we share ideas, tips, tactics, and insights to help you grow your landscaping business based on our team's 40 years of experience running a landscaping company and working with other owners and their teams to do the same. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Without further ado, here's your host, Marty Grunder. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever the case may be. This is Marty Grunder from Grunder Landscaping Company and the Grow Group. Welcome to another edition of The Grow Show, powered by Steel. And folks, I have had this guest online here to join us. I've had this set up for months, and I am so excited to, to share with you today uh, Larry Wingett, who is the pit bull of professional development. Larry is a longtime professional speaker and teacher, a prolific writer with too many New York Times bestsellers to even mention. These are my two favorite books of Larry, Grow a Pair, right there, and Your Kids Are Your Own Fault, which Larry told me a long time ago when I was with him that this was his most important book. So we're going to talk a little bit about both those books. Larry's a past teacher, speaker, if you will, at Grow. Maybe you recognize him from his hit TV show on A&E called The Big Spender and a frequent contributor at Fox News, which whenever I would see Larry, I'd say, there's my man Larry. He's on Fox News again. But I think maybe more importantly, I've had a chance to get to know Larry. He's a friend. Larry's a loyal husband, father, grandfather, and friend to many. Larry, welcome to The Grocery. Oh, show. I appreciate you having me. I can't wait to hear what I've got to say based on that introduction. So. Well, you're you're good. You've made a tremendous impact on me. How is how is Arizona? How are things out there? This is the surface of Hades right now. It's 118 degrees, yeah. so it's hot. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would uh, guess that you're inside. Uh, yeah, so. I pretty much stay that way these days. It's really hot. I mean, I've been here almost 25 years, and you know we're breaking records every single day. We're on our 20th day above 110. So. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll stay here in Ohio. It's 83 here today. It feels pretty nice. We don't even hit lows of 83, Marty. <laughs> oh my gosh, Larry. Well, I hope it gets cooler soon. When I think of you, when I see you, I see you as a voice of reason in a sea of insanity. That, that's what I see you. And there's a lot of things going on right now that frustrate our owners and leaders from landscaping companies that listen to The Grow Show Powered by Steel. I often catch myself wondering, am I becoming, because I mentioned to you, I'm a grandpa now, am I becoming a grumpy old man? Are things really that bad? Am I overreacting? Has the work ethic changed? I mean, lots of questions for you there, but what's your perspective on where we are right now in our, in our fine country? Well, you know, I am a grumpy old man, and you'll find as you age, you get grumpier and more curmudgeonly because you just... Maybe your memory gets uh, more fine-tuned, and you remember how people used to have a better work ethic and how the core values of honesty and integrity and hard hard work, all of those things were at the foremost, and that has slipped. I'll guarantee you, my last book was called What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything. It was about the collapse of core values in America, and that's what we're facing right now. And, you know, that's really the key to to, I think, solving things is getting back to core values of honesty, integrity, hard work, doing the right thing, even when it's not convenient. So, yeah, I think we are in trouble. And I think old guys like us have to remember and hold true to our values. And that's the important thing we have to teach employees. 
about their jobs, our kids, our grandkids. And that's what we, more than anything, that's what we have to be known for. Like myself, I worry about that stuff. You know, now as a grandfather, my my children are 29, 27, 25, 22. My son has gotten a lot better at 22. He listens to me more where he used to be like, dad, 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 just stop. I find this in the workplace, you know, we had Joe Calloway on the Grow Show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the biggest lessons, Larry, I learned from your buddy, Joe, is that you have to keep talking about the things that matter the most. As a parent, a leader, a member of the community, what do you advise we do? You say stand up for core values. Like, how do you do that? What do you do? See, I don't think most people understand how their behavior always go goes back to their core values. I don't think people understand, an employee understands that being late is a form of disrespect. And when they're educated and taught how that is disrespectful to their employer, to the money their employer pays, how it's disrespectful to their customer, their client, then they start looking at it different because most people go, what's the big deal? I'm a half hour late. It's a big deal because it's disrespectful to me. And then when you explain it like that, they go, oh, wow, I had never had that explained to me before. I never saw it that way. Now, that's their mom and daddy's fault. I believe we can trace everything back to bad parenting. I honestly do. I think when people get in financial trouble, that's bad parenting, and they haven't been shown that when you don't pay your bills or don't pay your bills on time, that you're being disrespectful. It's a lack of honesty. It's a lack of your integrity. But they haven't been taught those things as it relates to their values. And when you show them and explain to them how it shows up in their life, in their work, how they deal with their customers, how they deal with their employers, how they deal with their family, how they pay their bills, I think it sort of can be a real awakening to them And that's what we owe them, is to teach them those things. If you were running a landscaping company, would you suggest that we hold monthly sessions on some of, you know, talking about some of this stuff? I always find like there's a fine line between, you know, I'm not their dad and I don't want to become their psychologist or their counselor. But I also want to let them know, to your point, what's important around here, like being on time. And it is disrespectful. It affects our ability to be profitable. It affects our ability to take care of one another. It affects something we focus on here on site time. You know, we're here not getting paid. That affects a lot of things. When, when you say we got to explain it to them, how would you go about explaining it to them? I would definitely have a meeting. I think we need a lot more meetings. And I'm not a big fan of meetings, but we need short, targeted meetings about the issues that, that we face as a company as it relates to our customers. Now, they, you just said something I actually disagree with. I'm not their father. Well, you're not literally their father, but most today have not had good parenting. No, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. They've not had good parenting, and I've had lots of business owners, and I've spoken to lots of franchise companies, where they say, I'm not their parent. Well, somebody has to be, and we've got people entering the workforce today that didn't have good parenting. So where when we were growing up, we had parents that were involved and taught us the importance. That's not the case anymore. So we do have to 
step back and say, you know, they really weren't taught these things and I have to be the one to do it. If they're going to work for me, I have to be the one to do it because they are my, not employee, they're my investment. They're in my investment in my customers. And, and as you pointed out, you tie it straight to profitability. We lose money, which costs people's jobs sometimes. So that has to be taught. And yeah, you need short, direct, targeted meetings. It shouldn't last more than 15 minutes. Before you head out on a Monday morning, say, hey, let's talk. We've had this come up. People are showing up late. Do you know what that means? Here's what it means. And it, walk them through. Walk it backwards. Being late means this. Larry, that's fantastic. So let, let's talk about what good leadership is. What is good leadership? Or I guess conversely, what is bad leadership? You've seen a lot of it. I know you saw it in business. I know you saw it on the road a lot, traveling and working with all the companies you have the last probably close to 50 years. What's good leadership? What's bad leadership? Give us your thoughts on that. I think good leadership is getting out in front of people and giving them something good to follow. I don't think leaders are clear about what their vision is. Why are we here? What are we about? What is the most important thing? I think they, a bad leader confuses employees with too much. And I'm not talking about too many rules and regulations and how-tos and all that sort of stuff, even though that can certainly be the case. I think it needs to be one simple, clear message that says, what does Marty Grunder stand for? What does Larry Wingett stand for? What is this company about? One thing more than any other thing. And how does he exemplify that for us? How does he lead us to perform that task, that vision, that belief? How does he do that? And has he shown me how to do that? Now, you can't hold people responsible. I think too many leaders, they call themselves leaders, hold people responsible for results. They never taught them how to achieve exactly. anything different. I, I agree with you 100% on that one. So set the vision and then teach, teach people the steps it takes to achieve that vision. One of the things that we, we have a team of 90 now here at Grunder Landscaping, and one of the things we work on hard with our managers that have people reporting to them, and then when I'm on the road teaching or working with uh, an owner or leader of a landscaping company, I often say to what you just described, you as the leader have to be great at what you want the followers to be good at. If, if customer service is important and they overhear you making fun of a customer or you don't get back to them, I, I, I guess I'm just amazed, and I don't want to get into too much politics today, but I'm just amazed at how much hypocrisy goes on out there with people. They, they talk a big game, but then the gap between who they say they are and who your, your followers are looking, watching, performing, is, it's great. Am I, am I off my rocker? No, you're not. We do the same thing. You mentioned uh, bad-mouthing a customer. We bad-mouth one employee to another employee. That's not good leadership. You're undermining. If you have a problem with an employee, either get rid of that employee, but don't bad-mouth them to another employee. That doesn't even make sense. You know, it's like a parent trashing your brother. Uh, that doesn't build respect among the, <laughs> among the kid. No, no. And, you know, it's it's a basic, I mean, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, gosh, have I done that? I mean, I, no, I haven't that I can recall, but we all end up in a bad place once in a while. We say things we wish we wouldn't have said. 
But you're absolutely right. I mean, none of what you've just described is that hard to understand. I, I think at times it can be tough to keep your mouth quiet. It gets frustrating, as you well know, running a business and somebody, you know, strolls in 15 minutes late and everything else. And, you know, I, I always tell folks, whatever you allow, you encourage. I don't care how good a worker they were. If they were late, the first tenant to being a good worker is they're there. They weren't there. See you later. And you fire a couple people and people start to get, you know, if you're in a situation where you have issues with that, you're going to have to have a couple sacrificial lambs for people to understand what's important around here and what the consequences are for not behaving that way. I, I totally agree with you. I think when we have a sacrificial lamb, one of the mistakes we make is that we don't then use that as a lesson for other Amen. employees. We and, and if you have those little targeted meetings, like I said along the way, that I'm not talking about being late here. I'm talking about a lack of respect for the money I pay you, a lack of respect for me as an individual, and a lack of respect for our customers. That's what I'm talking about. I can put up with you being late if there's a good reason and you've given me advance notice that you're running late. I can put up with that. I'm not a jerk. I will not put up with disrespect, period. I will not do it. Is there a company that you think has or have you run into your travels and teaching that has great leadership that you think would be a good example for us to, to learn from? I see examples of lots of bad leaders. Okay, well, give us, give us bad. It's everywhere, especially. Yeah. I mean, especially in the small businesses today. Now, I'm not cutting them any slack because I think it goes down to, to not only poor leadership, but poor management, poor communications. I can see it in the way people are trained. I see it a lot in the services industry. I, I move a lot, Marty. I've been in right, I know. nine houses now in 22 years. Every couple of years, I just got to move. And I get bored and I always do a major remodel and then I get tired and move on after I've gotten it all finished. But I, I've been using this electrical company for many years. And I like the prices. I like their service. I like the quality of the work. But the one thing, and it just happened to be, it was about showing up late. Just they couldn't get there when they told me they were going to get there. So I'm standing around waiting. Other contractors are standing around waiting. And I'd finally told the guy, I said, if, if you're ever late again, we're going to have to end this after four houses and lots of years. Because, and I explained the lack of respect. And so when the guy, I said, so you call me when you're on your way. Call me and said, Larry, I'm stopping by Home Depot. I got to pick up one little part. I'll be there in about half an hour. Okay. And three hours later, pulls into my driveway. I meet him in the driveway and say, Oh my God. You know, we're done. And he goes, Come on, Larry. Where, why are you busting my chops? And I said, No, no, no. You don't get to be that way. You were warned. It's been going on for way too long. You don't respect my money. You don't respect me. This is disrespectful to me and to my money. And it's disrespectful to the company you represent. I like you. I trust you. I love your work. But more important to me than all of that is a feeling of respect. And I'll let them go. Now, I haven't been able to find anybody that good since. I really haven't. But the people I do find show up on time. <laughs> right. And that matters. And, and so I think as important as it is to show respect to your employer and to your leader and to the money you get paid, I think 
most all of it can be fixed through good communication. The, the problems I see and the people I see excelling have communicated well with their customers, have communicated with, with any issue that might be going on, have, commu- have been communicated well with from their leadership, from their company, what's important, why it's important. Now, the being late thing is just one, a, a million examples we could use, but it's the one I see most often. But I'll give you an example of a great company. Happened a week ago. I order my dog food from a company called Chewy's. Are you familiar with Chewy's? I love Chewy's. I love Chewy's. My, I ordered my dog food. It didn't get here, yet it said it was delivered. I, they shipped through FedEx. I had a little customer service for FedEx. FedEx goes, oh, we don't know what happened to it. And, but we'll put through a request. Okay. But in the meantime, I call Chewy's and Chewy's, Kyle, Kyle says, oh my goodness, Larry, were you at the bottom of, of your dog food? Because and I said, as a matter of fact, I'm pretty close and I got a great big bulldog here. It's going to be hungry in yeah. about two days. He goes, I am so sorry. Overnighting you a 40 pound bag would be there in the morning. And I said, well, do you need the tracking? He goes, we got your records right here. I'm just sorry this happened. I said, well, if the other one shows up, he said, well, I hope it does. Don't worry about it. You're going to have it in the morning. Sure enough, I had it in the morning. Plus, Kyle sent me a follow-up email. Then I got to do a survey. How was Kyle? Not just a survey from the company. They made him a person. They made his response to me personable. It was communicated well. It was followed up on well. I got a genuine sense that he cared and phenomenal service, just phenomenal service. From a huge company. A huge company. Now, how can we duplicate that? Let me see. I'm sorry. What can I do to fix this? What? What? Can't anybody do that? I don't care if you're a guy with a pickup and a lawnmower in the back. Can't you do that? Right. Right. And so to me, folks, as you listen to Larry Winget, New York Times bestselling author, the pit bull of personal development here today on The Grow Show brought to you by Powered by Steel. These are things that we should be doing. All right. And and as you listen to Larry, Larry was ultimately OK with the dog food being late because Kyle said sorry. And they personalized the interaction and they they took action. You know, your customers, Larry, what I hear you say, they want to hear excuses. I don't know what you want us to do, Mr. Winget. FedEx does our our delivery. You have to take it up with them. Well, you'll take it up with FedEx and you won't buy any more food from Chewy's. Yep. Consequently, folks, as you listen to this, I wonder how many of you, because you heard Larry Winget talking nicely about Chewy's now, are going to go do business with Chewy's and their business will grow organically. And they really didn't have to spend a whole lot of money to acquire you as a customer. And I think, Larry, you touch on something that's just brilliant. I had a very nice client outside of Atlanta, Georgia, really nice guy, still a client today, does good things with his business. I'm sure he's listening, so he'll, he'll know I'm talking about him. But about 10 years ago, he was very excited, and he sent me a picture of a, I think he called it, Get the Customer Happy Kit. And it was a tackle box that they had put in all the trucks with like gift cards for restaurants and coffee cups and notes that you could say you're sorry with. And my response to him was, I said, Tom, I said, I wish and I, it's a creative idea. I'll give you that. But I wish you'd spend that amount of time and energy training your people 
so that you wouldn't have to have a box of those in every single one of your trucks because you make so many mistakes. And I remember him looking at me almost speechless, like, and he, and I go, what? He goes, you're right. I said, yeah, you shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't be that bad that you're keeping all that stuff around here. And it just seems at times, Larry, that a small business owner, they don't debrief. They don't do a forensic analysis, root cause analysis, whatever you want to call, as to why something went wrong. So they went wrong. It affects them financially. They don't do a darn thing about it. And two weeks later, the same thing happens again. The forensic analysis, I think, is what gets overlooked. We're great at saying what went wrong and pouring on the consequences. Firing people, screaming at people. Mostly, we don't fire people anymore. We just gripe and yell and scream. And what we need to do is break down not what went wrong, but why it went wrong. And then what can we do to make sure it doesn't happen again? If we spend time on that, and that's why I'm saying it, you know, a 15 minute conversation with a group of people that says, hey, this is, we all know what happened. Doesn't matter what happened. We fixed it. Now, why did it happen? And what do we all need to do to make sure it doesn't happen again? And then get their ideas. Leaders always think their ideas are the best. Well, if you've got the best idea in your company, you're a lousy manager. You're a lousy leader. And you were bad at hiring people because everybody ought to be hiring people at least as smart as they are and hopefully smarter than they are. And I believe employees have better ideas. I really do. I think employees are the people out there doing the work. They know what they need to do. They know it. And we don't trust them enough to share. What would you do? What would you have done differently? How did this go wrong and how would you fix it next time? And let's share that with everybody so everybody can learn because everybody's going to run into this. But we don't do that. As a leader, we go, oh, no, nobody's smarter than I am. It's my name on the building. It's my name on the trucks. And so we don't give employees a chance to fix their own problem. And you know what I've discovered is people don't argue with their own ideas. They don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. As I'm listening to you, that that was, if I'm going to be blunt with you, Larry, that was my issue. We've tripled the size of the business in the last three years. And when people say to me, how did you do that? Larry, it was me. I was gripping the club too hard. Whatever metaphor you want to come up with, that was me. I was in too many people's you know what. I was a perfectionist. If it wasn't done exactly this way, then there's no way we could grow. And the fact is, you know, Mario Andretti had a great quote. He said, if you're not breaking anything, then you're not moving fast enough. And there has to be a balance between taking action and movement and growth and understanding that you're going to make some mistakes, but we're going to learn from them together and get better together. I think that's what I hear you say. Yeah, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. You've got to be able to let people learn from their own mistakes, knowing in advance they're going to happen. You know, I, I, back in the many, many years ago, before I ever became a pre professional speaker, I was in the telecommunications business, sold small business telephone systems. And I had a guy that he was a challenge, but he had all the potential in the world. I said, listen, I'm going to leave you in charge and you can't break it so bad I can't fix it, but I'm going to take a, my vacation or I'm going to take a day off or whatever. And he challenged me sometimes. Because he almost broke it so bad I couldn't fix it. 
But okay. he would do it, and he would do it his way, and then we would do that forensic analysis that you talked about. Why did this happen? And what, what would you have done different? And the good thing about him, and he ended up being the guy who ran my whole company, he said, man, I messed this one up, didn't I? Woo, I sure did. He always owned it. He was responsible. And then he always came to me. And this is what we have to teach employees. You can come to me with a problem, but you also, when you come to me with a problem, you need to come with me to me with an idea on how to fix that problem. So it doesn't happen. Why? Why? Because when they know bringing you a problem at the same time, they bring you a solution that you will then respect them and they will be rewarded for that solution. And we can all learn from their solution. Often, Larry, when I see companies, and it's the majority of my perspective is, is small business landscaping companies specifically, the growth isn't happening because too many things fall on the owner's desk because of what you just said right there in the last 10 minutes, that they think they're the smartest person, that they're in the front seat of the bus, they're driving the bus, they're opening the door, they're deciding where the bus is going to stop, all that. And they just don't understand that you got to get out of the way and you got to let other people almost own their little businesses within your business. And you're going to have to watch them flail away a little bit once in a while. That's how they get better. I hear from for many, many years, and we've all heard this saying, I'm just too busy putting out fires. And my response to that is, number one, teach your people not to start fires. Number two, Teach your people how to put out their own fires. And if those two can't be done, number three, get new people who won't start fires. Yeah, great point. And and it's, it's just a simpler solution with much less brain damage and much less stress to let go a little bit. Good Lord, if it can be done better, let them do it. If it can be done faster by someone else, let them do it. If it can be done by someone who enjoys it more than you do, let them do it. Everybody do, should do what they uniquely can do. What can you uniquely can do that no one else can do? That's what a leader knows. If you had to guess, how do you think or what kind of culture is present at Chewy's that put Kyle in a position to show empathy for you not getting your dog food and to take action? I mean, if you had to guess, what do you... What do, you, what do you think's going on there that got him in a spot where he knew to do that? I think we the culture is meet the customer where they are. I'm not caught up in the FedEx issue. I'm not caught up in all that. Are you low on food, Larry? I hope not. As a matter of fact, right. man, I'm going to be able I didn't think about that. Great point. He went right into that, not where where is the package. I wonder where. Right. He met me where I was, which was low on dog food. <laughs> Right. And then he had been empowered to fix it. What did it cost him? And a bag of dog food. Well, if, yeah, if you're listening to what Larry's saying here, this is what happens. You're never going to grow because you don't have your people in a position where they own their stuff and they got to go check. You know, one of the things we teach our team here, Larry, I tell them, don't you ever say you have to check with Marty, which I'm no longer the president. We have a company president, Seth. Don't you ever say you got to go check with Seth. And I'll say, do you know why? And oftentimes they'll look and say, well, no. And I'll say, well, if you say you got to go check with Seth, they're never going to want to talk to you again. Who are they going to want to talk to? Seth. Okay. 
Now, it may be a crazy request they have. It may be something that's outside of your guardrails that you do have to get approval for. Okay. But you say, let me look into that. You, you be very noncommittal, but you know, Chewy's is a great company. That's who I buy my dog food from. They send our dog a birthday card. Yes. And, you know, and I'm amazed at the touches and the personal touches that they make a big company seem like a small company. Totally agree with you. It's personal with them. Marty, I have a rule that I run my life by and I have a rule that I pass on. It's my number one rule for life and business. It's just do what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you said you would do it. And if companies would remember that, if people would remember that, see, I think that's what your customer wants. They want you to do exactly what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you said you would do it. Any deviation from that causes stress, and it also makes you a liar. (laughs) It just does. And it destroys trust. As you say that, you know, most entrepreneurs' strengths are their creativity, their visionary. A lot of myself included, I probably have ADD. We're constantly creating stuff. And I think sometimes our, our lips move faster than our brains. And we don't realize what we're making promises for because we're all caught up in all this stuff. When at the end of the day, the, some of the basic things you've mentioned, like communication, you told me you're going to be here Friday, get here Friday. The hard part of owning a successful electrical company, I would think, is having guys that are good at what? Electrical work. All right. That's not why you fired the company. You fired the company because they couldn't do the easiest thing of all, which was show up. So, you know, again, as much as the world has changed, there's a whole bunch of things that are still remain the same. And that's what we like talking about on the Grow Show here, powered by Steel, Larry, is look at the new things. There are some good, bright, shiny objects. But there's a lot of basic stuff that goes on. You know, a, f- a few moments ago, you talked about it all going back to parenting and this wonderful book, Your Kids Are Your Own Fault. I remember I read this right when I came, right when it came out. And I think my oldest was about 13 or 14. You mentioned what significance parenting plays. We've got a lot of parents that are on here right now. My wife just recently retired as a kindergarten teacher. and. I don't think being a parent is as easy as people think it is. I think there are lessons in parenting that should be shared. What's your perspective on parenting right now that would help our listeners today? First of all, as the subtitle of that book, it's is Raising Responsible, Productive Adults. Our job as parents, in my opinion, and this is what we have to remember, just like we have a job as a leader in a business, we have a job as parents, and our job is to teach them independence. And in order to be independence, we have to teach them personal responsibility, accountability, and we have to give them the skills in order to make their own way. And so we have to ask ourselves every single day, are we teaching them those things so they can be responsible and productive? And what does it take? It's all the things we've been talking about here. Good communication. If you need help, ask for it. If you've messed up, own it and say you're sorry. Those things never fail us, not in business, ever. Those things always work. The fads and the trends and the the internet, all those things don't make any difference. It comes down to those 
basics that we've been talking about that we have a tendency to say, that's old fashioned, that doesn't matter, what people want is this, no? And that's what your kids will need in order to be successful in life, and that's not what we're teaching. We're not showing them how them not saying thank you is disrespectful to someone. We're not showing them the importance of those and working it backwards to show them that's a reflection of who they are. And when we do that, we've served our kids well, we've served ourselves well, and we've made a better world. And I believe that. If you want to change the world, change the way people parent. And that's when it shows up. When, When you were busy making your business work, and you were on the road a lot, and your your boys were growing up. How did you juggle all that and still be a good dad? Because when uh, I was talking with my with my daughter with with my wife, this was probably about six months ago. She was pregnant. We were talking about the baby coming up, and I said, "Yeah, Emily. I said, you know, you're in a little bit better spot than your mom and I were financially. I had to work a lot, and I miss you know I miss some of your stuff." And my wife jumped in right away. She said, you never miss the big stuff. She said, yeah, there were a couple pizza parties that were just friendly things that you missed or you were late to, but you never missed the the play at school. You never missed the ball game. You never missed the birthday. You never, you, you were there and you were trying to make a business work. And today we have a lot of things that we wouldn't have and a lot of freedom and we're able to help a lot of people because of all that groundwork. I, I just think at times there's a, a balance there. How did you do that? Good communication was the most of it. It really was. I talked to them in advance when I knew I wasn't going to be able to be at something. And I did miss a bunch of the big stuff because in my industry, I traveled 250 days a year. So I was gone a lot. And you know, you, when you get booked one to two years in advance to do a meeting, I didn't know that suddenly there was going to be a ball game. That that books, that day's been booked for two years. So you just have to talk and you have to let them know why it happened and how it happened, that you love them. And I think consistency is the key. I really do. I don't think you can feel guilty and then come home and buy them a bunch of stuff or take them for ice cream to make up for it. I think right is always right and wrong is always wrong. Nobody got by with anything. You didn't get slack out of my guilt for not being there. So the consistency, the communication... The discipline, and that's not punishment. Discipline is a totally different thing. Discipline is having a set of rules in which our family operates and respect for each other. And and those sorts of things, that's what has to be constant and consistent along the way. And that's what I work so hard at doing. You know, when people say, what's your legacy? It's not the fact that I wrote six New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestsellers, or had a television show, or 15 years on national news shows and all that sort of stuff. My legacy are two boys that between them now have three boys. And how do they live their life? How do they go out and act at school or on their jobs or in business or with their friends? That's my legacy. And that's what we as parents need to remember. Well, folks, I hope that you will pick up your kids or your own fault. Um, Larry, that's that's the best thing you've said so far today. And, And, you know, there's so many. I've always, I've thought about it this way, but you just presented it in a much more eloquent way. The, the parallels between parenting and running a business, you know, I, I've often found my best managers, quite frankly, were parents because you have to figure out how to deal with your kids. You can't fire them. 
And you can't fire every single person when they just do one thing wrong. There's got to be some patience. At the same time, there has to be some tough love. I mean, I remember grounding my son and it was not easy to ground him because he missed something really big when he was 14, but darn it, he deserved it. And I think he, I think he learned from it. And I think you're absolutely right to, to sit back and watch your two boys raise three boys and be good parents. That's, you know, that's the vision that we need to have that should make what you're doing right now so important. We got a few more moments left on the Grow Show Powered by Steel. You and I have a mutual pal. He's in Nashville, Tennessee, Joe Calloway. And I know you two were talking because I was speaking with Joe. So he said each of you were having work done. And I'm just going to ask you, were you pleased with the workers that you had on your property? (laughs) Uh, Joe and I talk a lot about this sort of stuff. I'm always really pleased with the folks that I have. And and, uh, we were talking yesterday, as a matter of fact, about crews that show up and enjoy what they do for a living. Even when it's 115 degrees, they're still laughing and singing and enjoying what they do and thank me when they leave. I always say thanks, guys, and I bring everybody lots of water and all that sort of stuff and get them anything they want. But they thank me for the work. That impresses me a lot. When someone thanks me for the work and the opportunity. So, yeah, I'm always pleased with, with my bunch, my landscape crew. Good. Terrific. What are you seeing out there in terms of service levels as you travel? I know today you travel more for fun than anything else. Again, am I, am I a grumpy old man? We just did a, an episode. I, I did a solo episode on The Grow Show a couple weeks ago, and the title of the episode was Service Stinks, and that's good for you. And the reason I say that's good for you is it's not that hard to stand out and be good, like what you talked about with Chewy's. What are you seeing out there with service? You know, when I very first started in the in the speaking industry, it was almost 35 years ago. And what you just said was almost what I started speaking about, about how easy it is to stand out because look how bad it is everywhere. Customer service sucks so much, it takes so little effort to be outstanding. And 35 years later, we're still saying the very same thing. I know. That's, my, that's what I think, right? So... Well, yeah, service does stink. It just stinks. And I think the reason it stinks is people don't understand that concept of what service really is. And what service really is, is just do what you said you would do. Did, what'd you tell them? Right. Then do that. Right. When did you tell them it would right. get done? Then do it. How did you tell them it would get done? Do it that way. It's very, very simple right. to make people happy. Do what you said you would do when you said you would do it the way you said you would do it. That's all it takes. Two more short questions for you. What advice would you have from your perspective that would help our owners and leaders that listen and watch this find and keep good people? Make sure that your company is the kind good people want to work for. Make sure you're the kind of leader that good people want to work for. If you look around and say, man, my employees all suck. Believe me, it's because as a leader, you suck. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> as bottom, much of the no, bottom line true. as I can give it. If you've got yeah. bad employees, you're a bad manager. You're a bad leader. You didn't train them well. It's your fault. Right. It's your fault. Right. You know, my sort of my context for life is everything's your own damn fault. You did it. You caused this. 
And so then you start saying, stop looking at them and say, what can I do to be different? How can I run this differently? How can I manage differently? And believe me, it's the little changes. People try to go in and overhaul everything. That's always a bad idea, Marty. <laughs> you yeah, make the right. little changes that you can starting right now. Right. You know, it's funny, Larry, you make me think of something and I, I don't do a whole lot of on-site coaching anymore, but I did it for 25 years. And you know where the first place I went when I was doing an on-site consultation was? The bathroom that the employees were using because I could it would almost always tell me what they thought. And through the years, I cannot tell you how many times my number one recommendation on my report back to them was to overhaul the bathroom. Because I just think it's little things like that that really show what your people mean to you. Not having trucks with bald tires, doing safety training, celebrating them on their birthday, but more importantly, celebrating them on their anniversary to the workday at your company and letting them realize what an impact they made. All right, one last question. We would really be doing a disservice if we didn't ask for your views on personal finance and the economy. I mean, heck, your A&E show, Big Spender, I used to love watching that. It was a hoot for you to watch help consumers. And most of the time, I'd be like, man, why are they doing that? And, you know, you're known for not telling people necessarily what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. What do we need to hear about personal finance in the economy? And if you owned a landscaping company, what would you be thinking about right now as it relates to those two things, personal finance and the economy? I tell you, I, I have learned, especially going into retirement, I have learned that it's impossible to have too much cash on hand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So have savings. Be prepared. You know, we've told people for years, personal finance people, if you've got to have six months on hand in order to pay your bills, six months worth of money on hand in order to pay your bills. Most people wouldn't have lost their houses during the 2008 housing crisis if they had had the ability to make payments on their house for six months. The whole idea of uh, COVID, the pandemic, wouldn't have hurt people if they had had six months cash on hand to make it through. So you can't have too much cash. Next, people think in terms of needs and wants. And if you're in a financial crisis, and a lot of people right now are having problems with the, with the economy and inflation and so forth, stop thinking in terms of needs and wants. You need this, you want this, but you can't live without this. And so what you got to do is put your can't live withouts first. You can't live without your utilities. You can't. You can't live without groceries on the table. You can't live without, and you go through those things. You got to pay your bills. People got to start thinking of their commitments, but get committed to their commitments. Your commitments are your bills, the things that you signed a contract you would pay. You've got to have that sense of integrity, and that's an integrity issue, that you will keep a commitment to your commitments. And then investments are always good, but pay your bills first. Make sure you have cash on hand that can ride you through any sort of crisis so you're not left suddenly, in two weeks, I don't have any money. Well, you should have been thinking about that for the last two years. That sort of thing. So have some forethought, have some cash on hand, get a commitment to your commitments, and then start thinking about where can I put my money that will yield the most, bring me the biggest return. What about the economy? Would you be, would you be investing in your business right now? Would you be pulling your ship into the harbor? What would you be doing? I'm not real reactionary. 
You know, the stock market in the long run has always made people money. Always. People start looking too short term and they start making these major financial decisions. And, you know, the market comes back. It always does. You know, Neil Cavuto, I, I was on one time with him and he brought me on to talk about the market. And he said, Larry, you're just always so calm. And I said, I look at my stuff a couple of times a year. I know people look at their stuff two times a day. Calm down. Are you doing the right things right now every single day to make sure that you have cash on hand, that you're investing uh, in things that have the highest yield, which is serving customers well so they'll continue to pay you? That's a good investment that always yields. Those kinds of things. I'm not real. uh, My heart doesn't beat too hard about the economy. I think if you take care of your own personal economy, you don't have to worry so much about the big economy. And most people blame the big economy for the fact that they spend too much money, don't have any savings, and are being stupid, buying crap they don't need. And if you'll take care of your personal economy, what's going on out there won't have much of an impact on you. Oh, that's, that's a brilliant statement. Larry, we have loved having you on the Grow Show powered by steel. This has been a blast. I hope I can get you to come back because a guy that's written a number of books you have, and I know you still stay up on current events and, and have fun with Rosemary out there in Arizona. How can people learn more from you? Well, they can always go on YouTube because I have hundreds and hundreds of videos where I talk about stuff. I did a series for years called Ask Larry Anything, where people ask me questions about life and business and money and how to spend and invest and uh, manage and, and be a better parent. I've got lots of videos out there, clips from speeches, uh, I did over the years. I've still got lots of audio products, video products that they can buy that's on my website. I'm not doing any live engagements any longer. And I've still got six bestsellers on Amazon they can go on there and buy. So, All right. Well, I'm going to encourage everyone listening. These are my two personal favorites. But Larry's got a whole bunch of books. Go spend some time. There's certainly some lessons that Larry shared with you today that will make your business, make your life might even make your household better there when we're talking about parenting. Larry, it's been a pleasure having you on The Grow Show Powered by Steel. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you, Marty. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grow Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and head to growgroupinc.com for more information and resources to grow your landscaping business. A special thanks to the folks at Steel whose support makes this podcast possible and whose reliable handheld power equipment makes our jobs easier daily. We'll talk to you next week.